Hello. Welcome to the second installment of the Cinder Arts Podcast, where we talk about art and music and the creative process. On October 30th, Big Iron drew the curtain back on their debut album, The Midnight Ghost, which very quickly became one of my favorite albums released this year. If you're not familiar with the kind of music Big Iron plays, I want you to imagine this. Clint Eastwood, old or young, your choice, with his poncho, alone in a graveyard in the dead of night on a full moon. There's wind in the trees, and fog covers the ground, as do dozens of fresh zombie corpses. But the dawn won't come. A rider stalks the surrounding woods, and as Clint reholsters his pistol, he notices a bite on his hand. Now, if you can picture this movie, which, let's be honest, we would all see, let's just say that Big Iron would be the perfect band for the soundtrack, and they have been. But anyway, a few weeks ago, I got to chat with Landon and Brett from Big Iron, and they also recorded a special live version of their song, My Body is a Zombie, which you'll hear at the end of the episode. So please enjoy our interview with Big Iron. Hello, hello. Hello. Sick. Like, I think the first time I heard you was at the set that you played with Low Cellar. Oh, yeah, the um, little stripped down set. No, 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 the sunset we played with Low Cellar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was another new, time new we Brighton played with. was. Okay, yeah. New, yeah, I got that mixed up with the, with the house show. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that was, was crazy. a fun show. But when I first heard it, like, my, my only point of reference was like, oh, like spaghetti western stuff. But um, I didn't realize there was so much more kind of like dark 80s. I don't know. Could you t- could you talk me through like some of the influences for this album? Like, where are you drawing these sounds from? It feels like so cinematic. Yeah, definitely um, movie scores, yeah. um, like Tarantino movie scores, mm-hmm. uh, like Ennio Morricone, mm-hmm. um, all like the like good, the bad, and the ugly kind of thing, mm-hmm. as as well as like uh, Timber Tamber out of toronto canada um yeah they have a super dialed in sound yeah they're one of my favorites he's like he's got like a really cool blending of that um like 80s with a little bit western um and he he does some really cool textures that i really vibe with um all the super plucky keys yeah all the plucky keys and like the the vocals and like how it's all like so dark and brooding um obviously marty robbins because that's what big iron is named after is big iron by marty robbins and i grew up listening to old country and especially like marty robbins and johnny cash and such with my dad um so having that really like deep uh, long-lasting love for like old country kind of resurfaced once I started making music that was 
true to myself because mm -hmm. I experimented mm -hmm. in so much other different music um, from like dream pop to I'm sure you remember counterbalance post hardcore project <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shady hollows shady hollows and like all these right. other like little solo things I was trying out but nothing really stuck the way Big Iron did and I think that was kind of kind of because of it was hit so close to home as far as just aesthetic and mm -hmm. what I'm like used to and relate to that's i mean that's just great to hear when you when you hear about anyone who's an artist finally finding something that feels right finding the thing that feels yeah. true totally and, it, and i feel like you write such like storytelling lyrics that it just like kind of goes with that you know true every song is like a whole movie in my head even just like hearing it or playing it i'm just like oh i'm, I'm thinking about something for sure yeah i sometimes i yeah I feel like uh, a, a lot of the songs are very visual to me when I'm writing them. Mm -hmm. I've got this whole kind of weird abstract canvas in my head of fun little tidbits and uh, scenes of, you know, desert graveyards and like weird spooky horror movie things, you know. So it's kind of, yeah, it is a very visual thing to me. Would you say it's more of a, like, is there kind of like a, a story arc in your mind or is it mostly imagery? I think it's a bit of both. Um, I've realized that Big Iron is becoming more and more of like a con, like almost like a concept band as well. Hmm. Would you agree, Brett? Yeah, I think so. Definitely tap into a persona when I'm like, oh. All right. When I do big iron things versus when I'm writing my own music, for sure. But that's what's fun. It's like the challenge of being in that, you know? Mm -hmm. Getting into that mindset. Getting into your dark, spooky graveyard mind. And... <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of like a continuous story. Mm -hmm. And not so much a narrative as much as, as, as it is more of a um, scene setting and mm. like um atmosphere and like kind of bringing you to a place rather than to a story i guess yeah yeah that, that makes it's sense. more it's more feeling yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah i i ask because that's what it, that's what like ideally i want to do with my music but it's so hard like i love concept albums and i love albums that feel like a movie um mm -hmm. totally but whenever I try to like sit down and write a story and like flesh out real characters, I just haven't practiced that like aspect of my creativity in a long time. And it's hard to just mm -hmm. turn it on. Yeah, totally. I feel yeah, like it really the, is the gapless aspect of the album really helps with that. All the songs kind of blow into each other and kind of, they, they all work as like one big thing. Like when I think about it, I kind of think about, every song you know i'm not like oh there's this one and then this one it's like it is just kind of a big storyboard of 
Yeah, it is things. very cinematic in that way where it's mm-hmm. like you're sitting through 40 minutes of one cohesive thought and it's not like really it's not like a broken up into different episodes or anything. It's more like a full movie, if that makes sense, if that analogy makes sense at all. Yeah, totally. I was reading the credits for um, for the new single, and you guys worked at a studio in North Carolina. What was that Goth Construction? Tell, tell me about that. So Goth Construction is the studio of um, Ari Picker, who is the frontman of this band that we have been listening to for a while called Dante High. And Dante High, Brett found in circulation of this really great music scene running with like uh sylvanesso why oak and he like oh. produces a lot of stuff with them um and he's good friends with them as well yeah i think i just saw sylvanesso post about like a dante high live show and i was like oh my god who are these guys they look awesome yeah so we got super into them they're like super 80s and really like cool powerhouse stuff yeah and uh i ended up following his studio because of the band and then i one day i was just like what if i just reached out and like showed him our music like some demos that i've been working on and saw if he was like down to record us and he emailed me right back like an hour later and was like we would love to have you we love the music yeah and that's when we were just like, all right, we're actually we're going in North doing this. <laughs> that is so cool. I um, I thought that name sounded familiar. I know him from Lost in the Trees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lost in the Trees. He was the front man of that. And then he kind of, um, I think he got a little um, jaded by the music scene and then completely took on a whole new sound with Dante High. They're super cool. Yeah, and, I, and then I realized he was in Lost in the Trees, who I have had on playlists back dating back to like high school. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Yeah, we were sitting there chatting one day at the studio, and he like somehow we brought up Head in the Heart, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we went on tour with those guys." And I was like, "Oh my god, I think I was at that show." And I was like <laughs> sixteen or something, and I was, and like I Whoa. totally didn't even connect the dots. I know, funny. Well, did you guys fly out there, or when did that happen? Uh. So we ended up driving, which was Whoa. a whole experience in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. We I think 50... we totaled, yeah, by the end of the trip, like 60 or 70 hours or something. Yeah, in the car. Yeah, that's no joke. And yeah, it kind of worked out great because my girlfriend Taylor's parents were moving to Crossville, Tennessee, and they needed a truck driven down there. And it was like literally fell in the same exact dates that we were going to record. And I was like, well, we'll just take the truck down and we can take our gear with us. So I was able to take like 
my pedal board and such. And then I also bought a brand new Gretsch down in Nashville, mm-hmm. which was so sweet, a super killer experience because I've been wanting this Gretsch for a while. So that was featured on the record as well. Whoa, this this album story just got so much cooler. <laughs> we did fly back though. We, we did end up flying back. We left the truck in Tennessee and we we're like, I had the most checked bags I've ever had and like flying with like oh two guitars, God. a pedal board, all my bags. It was it was a stressful flight back for sure. We flew out of Nashville though, so I feel like that's the way to do it. You know? Yeah, we looked like we were just like <laughs> fucking big time musicians. Like <laughs> the album's the... not out yet, but yeah. <laughs> we're gonna act like it is. It's funny. Don't you know? to say that just is so cool Could, i don't know i don't know what to ask but please tell me more about this uh, recording process uh, how many songs did you guys do uh we totaled nine songs um seven of which were full lengths and then two of which are like interludes mm-hmm. instrumental little segue tracks and we really wanted to do uh have a gapless album as well like smooth smooth transitions through everything and all that exactly yeah so that kind of having ari there to help with that too because he's so uh experienced just recording in general mm-hmm. um he was like really helpful and just the the engineering side of stuff and like helping like guide us through a lot of the stuff that was like a little mysterious you know like uh can you give me an example i guess using like he has like a mostly analog studio Mm. so like the gear that he's running is just like otherworldly at least to me i know brett brett is a little bit more into the uh analog like compressors and um all the rack gear all the rack gear 500 series stuff and Um, there's a lot of stuff that's expensive and you kind of have to pile up over time that we don't have yeah i was peeping out there at their instagram saw like a nice limiting amplifier and uh-huh yeah, yeah the mc77 the purple mm-hmm. audio yeah that that was super sweet the, we're running through like neve uh yeah the uh, neve preamps preamps which was like pretty sweet i've never really had what, that opportunity what was the event tide like the h3000 the event tide yeah that thing's like a yeah. 80s treasure was that was that the, the harmonizer yeah um, yeah and there's that all, all of our reverb was uh was all um manually printed off of that mm-hmm. and, and the lexicon oh, and the lexicon, lexicon crazy ones all manually printed as well as delay and all the cool little effects and textures mm-hmm. which was like completely out of my um ballpark of uh skill sets for recording yeah it was a great learning process though i mean just 
being able to yeah sit there and work with that gear that we just like i said don't have access to all the time mm -hmm. but it was really fun <laughs> On top of Ari, he's just, he's just a really uh, good producer and he has a great ear. Mm -hmm. So having having someone there to facilitate things made the creative juices flow a lot easier because mm -hmm. we were just able to kind of like let him take the reins on like the tedious technical things and we could kind of get into the flow and like really mm -hmm. get creative with it and have a lot of fun and get his input, which was really helpful as well. It's it's, it's 2020, but you made a, a record straight out of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, gear-wise for sure, and sound-wise, I've been trying to close this gap between this Western, dark, mysterious side of the sound that I want, as well as tying it into my love for 80s music, and like especially texture-wise, mm. like 80s music like is just my favorite as far as like effects and drum kits go and stuff um so being able to marry those two ideas so well finally and having someone help facilitate it was like completely game-changing yeah using the juno and the dx7 mm -hmm. yeah all analog synthesizers. Ooh, wait, and which Juno? The DX drum machine. I think... Was it the 106? I think it was the 106, yeah. Oh. It, it's the... I, I think so. Yeah, um, that thing sounds amazing. Yeah, it's just crazy. I've got, like, the, the cheap version. I've got the Alpha Juno version. It's it's fine. Uh -huh. One day. One day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you get a spare $3,000 <laughs> from the government. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things are sweet, though. And that's, like... Another part that, yeah, we really wanted that in our sound. And we we have a DX7 as well here in Seattle. Mm. Yeah, and that's been a huge part of our sound mm -hmm. in our demos. And with Brett and I doing writing sessions and um, instrumentation stuff, the DX7 has been pretty central as far as, like, doing that kind of, like, 80s marrying with the, with the acoustic instruments that I'm used to using. So in the new single, what's the, um, the two synth parts I can think of? There's like the rising, almost like trumpetish part, mm -hmm. and then there's the dark pad. So are either of those the DX7? The pad is. The pad. That's is. the pad. The pad is. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 is. And then 
Oh yeah, so I ran the DX7 through a bunch of pedals one day. Mm. And that was actually in my garage um, when I was making the demo. And we ended up just using it because I don't know if I could recreate it because I was just like yeah. on one. But I, ra I ran it through like a phaser and like a bunch of chorus and tremolo and stuff. And it just kind of came out with this like really textural fuzzy pad thing it's super spooky too yeah totally yeah and all the all like the little arpeggiator stuff we did on the mother 32 the moog semi-modular synth yeah oh you got to play with all the good stuff that's a real fun one and i love all the moog stuff brett brett bought, brought that down yeah as well so yeah because we've been in the live shows we've played before all this shutdown happened um, our, all of our base was Brett's Moogs. Yeah. Right. So our base was just like bone, like bone shaking, floor shaking, yeah. sub bass, <laughs> like paired with <laughs> like an acoustic guitar <laughs> and like Western music, which was super funny. October is just the perfect month for it. When we were toying around with releasing it once we could play live shows and but then I realized we would have to wait another year until October rolled around because yeah. this is the only month we could have released it. Yeah. It's got to be on October 30th. Yeah. Devil's Night. Devil's Night. This uh yeah. yeah, I mean this first single is or is Bang Bang on the album or is that separate? It actually is, yeah. And that was cool. dropped earlier this year. And then COVID happened and uh and I was getting together kind of my own self-produced music to release as an album. And then we had this connection with Goth Construction and then it completely like rerouted plans and sounds and and then I basically gave Ari all the stems from bang bang and he just re like did his own mix so oh, cool. it would be cohesive with the album did it uh how did it change the song did it change much or dramatically or just kind of subtly i mean for me it did because because i'd spent so long mixing it myself right and i can notice all the subtleties um and he's just far beyond my years of of mixing so hearing how he is able to like scoop out EQ and like get everything a lot more present and full in the mix um, was how it changed in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's got a little more punch, a little more, got more punch and it's got more space and, and mastering helped a ton to get it. Oh man. Yeah. In line with all the other songs. And it's like, Oh, like this song fits in this album for sure. Gotta get out. Thank you. 
I wasn't sure about putting Bang Bang on there because it's a little bit of a different timbre, mm -hmm. but I think with all the post-production stuff and giving it like kind of relinquishing like my ties to it and letting other people deal with it <laughs> um, really helped kind of make it more cohesive. It, yeah, it's hard letting, letting go of control. That's something I struggle with. I could absolutely. I, I can't imagine having someone else record like my solo music. Like, no, let mm. me do it. Yeah, I want to do it my way, yeah. and it'll take forty hours to get you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a uh, it was quite a process. That was the first time I've ever, first of all, recorded in like that capacity at a studio with mm. someone else, and second of all, um done it with my own music with counterbalance we did actually record in a big studio um but yeah other than that like we spent i think we spent 10 full days in the studio yeah um so yeah after 10 full days it was like you know we had been grinding like eight hour days 10 hour days mm. and uh sitting in on mixing and all that so we were pretty, I was pretty exhausted by the end of it. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, work. But it was a good exhaustion. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times, like, I don't know, I mean, going to a studio is expensive. So I feel like a lot of times it's easy to just like try and get it done fast. Mm -hmm. But like allotting ourselves 10 full days, I think really helped in like the process of just feeling super relaxed. And we had a bunch of time to just like kick it and like, have food and like go yeah. to town get to know ari he's just such a chiller and he <laughs> has this he's like out kind of in the woods um and uh he lives there with his wife and uh daughter annabelle she's like i think she's what two yeah she's pretty she's young. so cute oh, yeah and she would come in and like help you know like twist <laughs> knobs and such is really funny That's she's so gotta get cute. producer credit yeah, she's going in the liner notes for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but he's uh, also a really skilled uh, contractor and carpenter, and he huh. built everything on the property from the ground up. So the whole studio, he built everything, every inch of it, wow. as well as his house. It's so cool, and it's so, tiny, but it's but yeah, it's awesome. It tiny, but it's, yeah, it got us such cool sounds. It really did. So if you don't mind me asking, what was like the pay situation like? Like how was that set up? 
Was it like a flat rate for the whole album or by the hour or by day or it was uh by day. By yeah. day and then by and day then for tracking. For tracking and then by mix it per was song. just a flat rate per song with unlimited like revisions and such. Gotcha. <laughs> Hopefully that, that it wasn't wasn't crippling at the end. It wasn't too bad. I mean, he's such a homie and like he ended up being really reasonable with us mm. and like mm-hmm. We we definitely came out of it with a friendship, you know, like it wasn't kind of it wasn't like as businessy as I think it could have been. I think um he also had a lot of fun with it and uh yeah. and our other bandmate Caleb, he lives down in Reno right now, but I grew up playing music with him and he recently joined the band and he flew out um and met us out in North Carolina and played lead guitar on almost every song and having like the three of us as the new core of big iron is really helpful especially for me to like have people to back me up and uh both musically financially Mm -hmm. all the above (laughs) emotionally emotionally yeah, I mean, there's nothing more valuable than a than a music community. <laughs> Cinder, woo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, toot, toot. I'm so glad we're a part of it. Well, we're so glad to yeah, have you. Yeah, it's an honor. It's yeah, it's just so much. I don't know. I'm glad that we finally just start doing things. And especially in quarantine, and with all all the live music being shut down, and um, there's new. Um, new ways to connect with music because of the internet and podcasts and such and having a resource to showcase local artists is pretty like pretty cool, pretty priceless. Like, yeah, because they're like, unless you're like signed and have a huge following and you have people like press and bigger like news outlets to kind of help highlight you as a like smaller DIY band or whatever. It's really hard to get resources, especially in such a crippling economy right now. you guys recorded this was all recorded before the quarantine happened well actually this all this was all recorded in uh in august oh okay yeah this is pretty recent yeah no that makes sense lots of covid tests (laughs) lots of covid tests yeah we were we were getting tested a lot just to make sure ari was uh felt safe in his family and also just everyone we came into contact with yeah but that's pretty amazing that you got an album recorded in a studio during quarantine safely. That's that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of this like catch twenty two of like 
having a lot of time on your hands, but also, you know, you, you are in quarantine and you can't just go out and party and whatnot, but yeah. everyone kind of does have time and needs work and whatnot. So it was kind of easy. It was like the perfect time to be like, well, yeah, I'm not doing anything as long as, as long as you guys get tested and we're not idiots about it. You know, we're not running around going to nightclubs, going to Florida or anything, <laughs> but it, it was, yeah, it was super chill. We were safe about it. Been tested a ton since and we're good so yeah and i mean like even the months leading up to the recording like in quarantine like both brett and i are bartenders Mm -hmm. by trade and uh we both lost our jobs obviously because that was like the first thing to go so we did have a lot of time on our hands and uh it made it uh easier in some ways to to like kind of pound some music stuff out and like just kind of not have as many distractions and have a just time in general um but it also made it hard because we had so much time that you kind of get swallowed up by the immense amount of nothingness that you could do (laughs) there's always tomorrow (laughs) yeah so it's like really on you i feel that so hard yeah Mm -hmm. and it's like and also i I, i'm sure everyone felt this but i especially at the beginning when all this stuff was happening and like the civil rights uh movements that were happening in june and being involved with that and like trying trying to show up and uh it's been it's been a really anxious ridden eight months at least for me like i can just like the state of everything i've just been so just really trying to in cope mode you know trying to get through Mm -hmm. some sometimes just trying to get through days because i can just feel like the weight of the world on my shoulders sometimes I find myself glued to my phone way too often lately, just like doom scrolling through. Uh, the other day, I like, I just like typed into Google, just like news, like give me more news. I need news. Yeah, just uh, news. Yeah, <laughs> I do that. Seattle news. I'm like, what's happening? But, <laughs> yeah, but it's like, why do I? Because I'm just like now used to so many like awful, like extremely intense things happening every day. That like when a day doesn't have an intense news, it's like I need my, I need something to be upset about. Um, yeah, it's kind of addicting. Yeah, it's in addicting, a weird way. But yeah, it's also very, very oppressive. I've been trying to work on. Oh yeah, I've been trying to work on some of my music and some recordings for uh, Liam. His his project, a Raven Renaissance. We're recording an album for that. Yeah, I saw that. That's really exciting. Yeah, it's turning out pretty well so far. I'm really stoked for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh man, Chase just came in um, this past week, and he he got this. Um, he has this pedal steel, or not pedal steel, a lap steel. Nice. Oh, but, very uh, nice. Yeah, and it was just like 
it's just like spread and butter all over all the songs. It was gorgeous. Absolutely. All the texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Julian just bought a pedal steel. Yeah, I know. Ooh. It's pedal steel season. It is. That's one thing I kind of missed <laughs> missed on this album. That spoiler alert, I guess not for anyone listening now, but <laughs> we don't have any pedal steel. And I wish <laughs> that's that's one thing that, you know, could, we could have used. But also, I mean, we have so much texture already. Yeah. You know, it's like, I think it's exactly as it should be. Dude. I retract that statement. I think, yeah, like there was a moment before we went to record where talking about having time and whatnot in quarantine, like we really treated July, like Monday through Friday, nine to five, pretty much. We were just like practicing and working on music stuff and out in the garage or at the studio doing things Mm -hmm. because we had a little studio here in Seattle that we rented and Landon and I shared, but we were really just doing a lot. And there was one day where it was like, God, like, what, what is this sound that we need? We need something. And we i i kind of was like what if we did like theremin oh man yeah theremin changed the game Uh uh-huh so on the mother 32 the since it's semi-modular you can just like patch in like a bunch of crazy settings and we just got this combination that turn up the glide a ton and get the lfo just Mm. right and like patch some crazy and we got this awesome theremin sound out of the mother 32 which is great because I couldn't nail those notes on an actual theremin. <laughs> oh man, we, <laughs> we got tried. we got a theremin at the studio. We asked Ari, and he had a a friend with a theremin, and they brought it over. And we just it was we all took it a crack is at it. such a difficult <laughs> instrument. Yeah. It's so crazy. Yeah, I've I've only played one once or twice, but yeah, the amount of control to not only hit the notes and then also get like the little the perfect vibrato amount just by wiggling your hand. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. There have only been two, quote unquote, theremin experts, professional theremin players, ever, really? and they were both women. So maybe it's not in the cards for us. How do you get certified as like a theremin expert? I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you get certified. I don't know. You carry a little card in your wallet, certified. Theremin. Yeah, that's a Moog fun fact that I learned at the uh, the Moog factory, which also is in North Carolina. So that was fun. go through Asheville and uh, stay out in the woods outside of Asheville in this spider-ridden shack. Oh, God. I slept on the floor with no electricity. Yeah, my friend has a cabin up in the mountains there, and I was like, hey, can we stay? And he was like, yeah, man. And it's like a freaking, like, jungle out there. It's like so many just sounds. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a rainforest. The cicadas. Yeah. Mm. Crazy. 
all the yeah all the bugs out in North Carolina are so foreign to me. So that sounds like a like the perfect environment for for a record like this. Exactly, you it were, was. You yeah. were living in the record. south. Yep, <laughs> we were. We sure were. It was so humid though, very humid, and I. I am such a baby when it comes to <laughs> hot, hot plus humidity. Uh, West Coaster. You had your moments, Brett. I did. I did. I've become a little bit of a baby. Yeah. I mean, it's August, for goodness sake. It's the yeah, worst. Yeah, it was the, the hottest the, month. Yeah. It's such a hard time to release music, but also it's like a double-edged sword. It's like really good because people are have time to stream and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all that but also it's really hard not to be able to like be there in person to like do a release show and even you know just network with it um mm-hmm. our our ultimate goal is to get this on vinyl Ooh. um so we're, we're gonna see how it all does streaming wise but it's always been a dream of mine to have some stuff cut to vinyl. Yeah, and even we have enough uh, friends and family that I think would want to buy it, as well as just our small small fan base that we could just mail it out and have something tangible. Like I think that really kind of solidifies it because the thing with streaming and such, it's like once it's new and it's a week old it's just kind of like lost in the wind yep yeah i I do want to like get a tangibility aspect to it and but as far as like the the release goes on the release night we'll probably just kind of have some close friends um over and just maybe have a listening party or something yeah carve some pumpkins carve some pumpkins real spooky yeah Yeah. (laughs) i will go in an altered state Desert dust Clinging to my face You know why I set you free My sweet moonbeam You comfort me One of my favorite memories in Seattle is going to a spooky cemetery. Oh, yeah. The one above SPU? Yep. The very one. Oh, the yeah. only time I've been there, it was the foggiest night. It was the coolest thing. I got a, I got a whole song out of it. Oh, nice. really? That's awesome. Yeah, we live about three blocks from there. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Yeah, we walk over there a lot. <laughs> Just go and get inspiration. inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> God, last time we were there it was scary though. There, yeah, there was like there stuff was some falling from stuff the trees. going on. So, yeah, I, I don't know what was going on. I was I was um, getting a little cocky talking to spirits. <laughs> you're you're inviting them in in a kind way. I though. was being nice, but also you know, I'm like, all right, Landon, I also let's go. Had a bottle of whiskey with me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you know how that goes. Yeah, mm-hmm. been there. But yeah, I was talking to the spirits, and the wind picked up, and they were kind of like you know showing me that they were there maybe yeah 
you believe that sort of thing? Sure seemed like it. No, I mean, it's crazy just what being in a being in a cemetery, like at a spooky time of night or with spooky conditions like wind or fog. It's funny what it can, what it can do. Like when, when I was there a few, like five years ago or something, everyone was just like on edge. It's mm-hmm. like, what's that? What's that? We were like afraid that there was going to be like a watchman. Like there's not going to be a watchman just like hanging around the entire night yeah, in a graveyard scaring kids. <laughs> I want that job if if there is that job out there. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I've been on like dating apps and, and stuff and I matched with someone whose job they wrote, they wrote in crypt keeper. And I was like, oh my God. I gotta know, like, that is are, awesome. are you a crypt keeper? And they were like, yes. I'm like, that's awesome. Please tell me more like it earnestly. And they're like, Oh, I was just kidding. I was just trying to be, just trying to be cool and snarky and funny. Ah, that's oh, okay. That's such but a I'm lockdown. actually kind of dating. disappointed. Dating in 2020. I'm disappointed for you. I'm just. <laughs> I'm really only interested in crypt keepers right now. So, uh, yeah, I had to I had to unmatch. I'm sure there's like some Craigslist section for that. Yeah, go go on like misconnections, and I'm sure you'll find some. <laughs> Looking for spooky encounters. I think we should have a, a spooky count on this on this podcast we should see how many times we've said the word spooky oh no okay (laughs) it's definitely it's definitely up there it's it yeah it's definitely up there and i will definitely include a spooky count at the end of at the end of the episode nice (laughs) dope yeah we're we're stoked for it it's uh it's all very uh uncertain times so i guess we'll see what happens? See if people love it or hate it. <laughs> see if we'll ever be able to play a live show again. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, you're always welcome. Once once it becomes safe, you're always welcome at, I'm going to say it again, at Spooky House. You're always welcome here Spooky to play House. a show. Oh, yeah. yeah There's I, another one. I can't wait until we're, uh, until we're clear to have house shows again, because they're my favorite. I know. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's that was the last the one we played, was it Spooky House? That was the last one we played. Yeah, that was right before it was, lockdown. It was right before, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That was a fun time. That was the last um, New Brighton show, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sad. And now, as promised, Big Iron performs a stripped-down version of their song, My Body is a Zombie.
I feel like we covered all the bases right the trip getting across the country halloween spooky synthesizers graveyards <laughs> what more do you need it, to know it's a bummer caleb isn't here yeah yeah caleb we'll here go, talk give about a little him. shout out to caleb caleb young he's a dear friend of ours can't be here talented lead guitarist yes living the reno life living the reno life he's a a bartender in Reno, this like really sweet cocktail bar. So who all is a part of the Cinder Arts Collective? Obviously, Low Cellar, Mount Sai, Raven Renaissance. Yeah, let me bring up the list. It's we're trying to keep it big iron. We're trying to keep it pretty <laughs> loose. Like we don't want it to seem like an exclusive thing, but it's really just totally. like anyone that's like in our circle that we know personally and like collaborate with. It feels right mm-hmm. to have us all kind of just together in the same place. So right now yeah, we've, got, sense of we've got Big Iron, we've got Carbs, uh, we've got Floral Tattoo. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. we got Jake Solo stuff. We have Lemon Jaya. We have Love Fraser, Low Cellar, Mount Sly, New Brighton, Raven Renaissance, The Rookery, uh, My Solo Stuff, and then we just added Your Man. He, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, he does like a kind of like a Father John Misty kind of thing. It's very, it's very 2020, and it's very millennial, uh, which is great. Nice. The I think his his debut album is literally called "Love Songs for Millennials," and nice. it lives up. Well, cool. I'm probably gonna hop off, but congratulations, you guys, on, on recording this album and putting it out next week. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks, Braden. It's been a pleasure. Thanks to Cinder Arts. I'm stoked uh, for what y'all are gonna be doing in the future, and. It's great to have a resource like you guys. So thank you. Well, thanks for saying that. Um, Of course. Have a very spooky Friday.
<laughs> oh, we always do. <laughs> All right. Love you guys. All right. See you later. Love you too, right. bud. See ya. Bye. 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 Thank you so much for listening. You can find Big Iron's new album, The Midnight Ghost, on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, all the places, and you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. While you're there, you can also follow the Cinder Arts Collective or visit our website to hear more content like this. Oh, and the spooky count for this episode is... 16. But uh, anyway, thank you again for listening.